listening to the Success Leaves Clues podcast, where we're having conversations with regular people doing outstanding and legacy-changing things in corporate America and entrepreneurship. If you're looking for the blueprint to help you make less mistakes on your journey to freedom and ultimate purpose, then this is the podcast for you. And now, here's your host, Dr. K. Dr. K. Hey, welcome everybody. I'm excited about today's episode. We have Brendan, the founder of Master Talk. Look, he coaches the 1% of uh, top public speakers. He's a public speaker himself, and he can help get you to the place that you want to be. Welcome, Brendan. Dr. K, um, pleasure to be on. Thanks for having me, man. All right. Um, so, so, Brennan, tell me, how did how did you become a, a top and such a skilled public speaker? For sure, Kay. So the story started when I was in college. I went to business school and I studied accounting, which is literally the opposite of what I do today. And when I yeah. was in accounting, I did these things called case competitions. Think of it like mm-hmm. professional sports, but for nerds. So while other guys my age are playing basketball or rugby or football, I wasn't one of those guys, Kay. I did presentations competitively. That's how I learned how to speak. But then as I got older, I started coaching all those students on how to communicate ideas so that they could win competitions. And that's what later gave me the idea for Master Talk because I felt that, wait a second, everything that I'm teaching them isn't really available for free online. And here we are a few years later. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. So you say you give you, you give away a lot of that in Master Talk. You got a YouTube channel. It's a huge channel. You got a you got an enormous following, um, and I, I just love the fact that you give away a lot of you know your knowledge and your information for free. But what kind of prompted you to give that away for free and not not say, hey, look, I'm going to charge for this information? For sure, Doctor K. You know what I would say is I never really started Master Talk as a business. So, you know, I came from a pretty poor family. My parents were factory workers. And I was the first person to graduate from university. So I didn't see entrepreneurship as my way out. I didn't even know you could, I mean, I knew you could monetize a YouTube channel, but I didn't know you could do really well with it. So I would just, I I had a great job at IBM, man. Like I worked at IBM as a technology consultant for many, many years before I went full-time on MasterTalk. So for me, the reason I started MasterTalk was to give me something meaningful to do with my life. Like for most of my 10s, which is funny to say, but for most of my 10s, you know, from like 12 to 22, my focus was making money. It was making bank because my parents didn't have any. So I was just focused on being an accountant, not because I, I wanted to be the most exciting accountant in the world. It's because I knew it paid and I knew it could do a good job. That was it. Like very simple life. But then when I started making money, I realized that it actually isn't that bad of a chore to, to do well financially. So I said, what else do I do with my life? Do I just make money and die? And that's what gave me the, <laughs> the idea for MasterTalk. That's why I wanted it to be free because I felt it was unfair to people. Look, don't get yeah. me wrong. I make good money as a communication coach. It's not, I'm not some philanthropic saint here. But I think the point I want to drive is like for the people who can afford me, I was like, what are we doing for those people? And I realized no one was doing something about it. So I chose me to do it. 
Yeah, I notice a lot of times with with any type of business, right? You look back at the old AOL model, and you know they would give away the disc with a little bit of data. You know, you have some some bandwidth that you can go on the internet, right? Uh, Sam's Club with their with their samples, and so there's nothing wrong with giving. It, uh, and a lot of times that that turns into uh, huge profits for for uh, companies. Absolutely. And and that just happened to be my case accidentally later in life, where, you know, after a few years of doing this for free, you, people just come up to you and they go, hey, do you do coaching? I was like, like for money? And they go, yeah, yeah, like I'll pay you thousands of dollars. And I was like, what? Wow. And that's when I realized, and my, I got lucky with my business partner, he's 20 years older than I am. Mm-hmm. And we were able to build a business so I could do Master Talk sustainably. Because before what I was doing is I was bankrolling the channel and paying my best friend to run to make the videos with my IBM salary, right? So instead of moving Ooh, out of my okay. mom's house, I was using that thousand dollars a month that people use on their own plays. And I was just that was my media budget. So that's mm-hmm. how I was, and then I was able. I made it work full time, so I went for it. Tell me about the sacrifice. You just said you you stayed with your parents. Uh, how old were you at that time? Probably twenty two, twenty three. And and to be transparent, my CEO clients know this, Doctor K. I still live with my mom. But the difference that I want to make sure is clear is I pay all the bills, right? So it's not it's not that uh, I'm I'm witching off my mom or anything. It's it's because us living together with my sister allowed me to retire her much earlier in life. So now she doesn't work, right? She you know she cooks wow. and she enjoys her life and she she suffered a lot in her life. So now for the last ten years, hopefully she lives much longer than ten, you know, thirty forty years. She gets to she gets to enjoy her life. That's incredible. Uh- what I was trying to get to is so many people run out of their parents' home, right? And and they can't wait to to have their own, and they don't see the value and the benefit in actually staying put, um, you know, saving money, learning more, right? Because a lot of people, you're you're twenty twenty two years old, you think you know everything, but you don't, and so it's still it's still a time to grow into adulthood, and you you saw the value and benefit in that. Absolutely, doctor. I mean, you nailed it on the head, brother. Like, there's a whole stigma around, like, not, you know, being alone, being independent. And I think that's a loser's game, if I'm being perfectly honest. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing to make more income that nobody talks about, which shocks me to my core, and has nothing to do about getting a high income skill. Sure, I'll sell a high income skill all day because public speaking is a high income (laughs) skill, and I've done well for it. Yeah, absolutely. But even if you have zero skills, the most important thing you can do is what I call income combining, which is just live with other family members. Like if you have one mortgage and one internet connection and a few cell phone plans and you don't have to pay for three different internet connections, three different Netflix accounts, like obviously your costs are going to go down dramatically. So you have three family members who make average US income, which I think is like 50 grand a year. But you got three of them living in the same house. You're making 150k household income with the same expenses, so you're just going to naturally bank a ton of cash. Whereas people don't think that way; they make excuses. They go, "Oh, well, my mother's toxic," and I was like, "Cool, then go live with your best friend." They like instead of just seeing how they can make more money. All of us can make more money. I really believe that. It's just we don't, mm-hmm. we don't, we aren't creative enough to think that way. Yeah, you have to learn how to be uncomfortable for a period of time, if, especially if you have a goal that you're trying to hit. And people don't like discomfort. Hundred percent. Yeah. Well, I just heard I just heard a little bit of that accounting come out of you. So he started he started breaking down those numbers, and I, I realized you know it's, that's also another beneficial part to your background. You know, you're running this um, not only monetizing the YouTube channel, but your business as well. And the core of any business, especially the part that most people run from, is the numbers. They run from the accounting aspect. And do you see that that's helped? you know, benefit and propel you in your career? Wonderful question, Dr. K. Absolutely, man. I, I definitely believe that my accounting degree is the only degree that's worth its salt in business school. I think I think any business degree is pretty useless if you want to run a business. It's different if you want to be a management consultant like I was before at IBM or you want to be an investment banker on Wall Street. Okay, get your get the fancy degree because they look for that to give you a job. But if your job if you want to run a business like, no, business degrees are pretty useless, except for the network you build while you're studying there. That's one. And the second one is if you do an accounting degree or a finance degree, 
but more so accounting. You can manage your own books. So you can double check what your CPA is doing. So I know my CPA is good because I run my own deductibles too. Like, cause I know that stuff too. Obviously he knows it better than me. Cause he's, cause I didn't go to You're CPA right. school, but, but I know the mm-hmm. ballpark. So when he comes up, but here's what your tax owed is. Okay. Yeah. It makes sense. Look, like, I can double check the numbers. Whereas a lot of people, they think about seven figures, eight figures, which is not the goal. Mm-hmm. You have to, if you if you run a million dollar business on ten percent margin, you're making a hundred grand a year. Like that's nothing. Versus a half a million dollar business on eighty percent margin, you're making four hundred grand a year. That guy's way more successful than the first guy. But people don't understand the numbers, so they don't see the difference. They look at the seven figure guy and think uh, he's the or she is the success. I'm glad you said it because right now, uh, of course, social media, like so much stuff I point to social media and the crazes, right? And everybody's like, okay, I'm, I make seven figures. Well, there's a ton of businesses who make seven figures, even 10 figures and aren't bringing in as much net income. So a lot of people talk about, okay, they throw this big number out there, but what they don't tell you is they're paying, you know, over 60% in marketing. Um, they have a ton of overhead. They've got uh, lights, utilities, you know, all the typical stuff. You've got payroll and they're not talking about those things. So their bottom line is probably a lot lower than somebody, you know, like yourself, who knows how to, you know, uh, keep a business slim. Correct. Exactly. It's all about keeping it lean. But yeah, that's that's really the idea, man. I, I think I honestly think what's made me successful as an entrepreneur, because I never thought I'd be one, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I want to be a corporate executive because that's guaranteed income for a guaranteed set of responsibilities. Like there's so much value yeah. there. The only difference is you don't control your time. That's the trade-off, right? To make a lot of money mm-hmm. in corporate. Whereas in entrepreneurship, there's a ton of risk, but you get to control your time. So for me, what what ended up happening is I took very little risk when I quit IBM. I'd probably replaced 30, 40% of my income by the time I'd quit. It's just I realized mm-hmm. I could be an entrepreneur because I just did the math. Because how coaching businesses work is you don't need a lot of clients and it's a very high margin business unless you delegate to other coaches, which you don't need to do if you're under a billion. So what's nice is like, okay, let's say you've got 100 clients who each pay you, I don't know, three to $5,000. You're doing pretty well as long as you're not done with your money. So I just looked at my opportunity yeah. vehicle which we call OVs in entrepreneurship because it's uh, the way that people can understand this is like Warren Buffett says, it's not about how hard you row the boat as much as which boat you're in. So like, for example, if you start a restaurant and you put, you're putting the same hours that I'm putting in, but you're a lot more stressed out about making sure everything's perfect. And your profit margin is like thin as a slick, right? It's like five, 10%. So you have to manage yeah. it really effectively. Whereas the coaching opportunity vehicle is more, yeah, there's cons to this business. Like you have to convince people to buy into your offers. It's a lot of energy. You're basically therapists, your clients. But if you really love uh, people, then you could do really well off 50 people, just 50 customers. Yeah, you said you, said you weren't really, uh, the goal wasn't entrepreneurship. And I have a very similar story. I, I grew up, you know, poor. We didn't have any money. Nobody in my family, you know, was an entrepreneur. So I didn't have any references. And, you know, stepping out, you're, you're the first in your family to do so. But you already had this, this corporate job. IBM, well-known company. I'm in tech as well. So, you know, that's what I do. And I, I'm just going to take an assumption. I know you was making six figures. You were at IBM. 100%. So yeah, quite yeah. Sure. yeah. So wh- why would you leave there? And what gave you the courage or the motivation to say, hey, look, I'm going to leave. What was your initial goal to pursue this next one? For sure, man. Great question. Here's what I would say. Here's what I would say. I always like to say that I've tried my best in my life to accumulate the wisdom of someone who's already passed away. So what does that mean? Because I'm 26 currently. But for me, I think the reason I've grown so much from 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 a knowledge perspective, and I have a lot more to go, but I think the reason for that is because I've done something in my life that most people are not willing to do, which I'll explain. Tony Robbins says the quality of your life is solely determined by the quality of the questions that you ask yourself about life. My version of this, Dr. K, is I dare you and everyone listening to this to ask one hard question about your life every single day for 30 days. And you can do this with $0 in your bank account. But if you do this for 30 days, you'll never be the same human being ever again. I call them 80-20 questions. So we all know the 80-20 principle. 
right? What gets, yeah. what are the, you know, the 20% of the actions that get us 80% of results? So for me, the thing I've kind of percolated with, because a lot of people ask me that question, and I, and I didn't have a good answer, frankly, a few years ago, and I'm still working on it. But I think for me, it's been, what are 20% of the questions that I've asked myself about life that have led to 80% of the clarity? So I can get to the point. Because what I see with a lot of my friends who are the head of North America, whatever, my old bosses, right, who are my buddies, just friends that you know I, I have dinner with from time to time. Yeah, sure, they make all the money in the world, but they're really miserable. So I was like, okay, but but I didn't believe it until I met it because I get I get the whole idea, right? You, it's easy to say that, but when you meet the people and you know them, it's very different. And I didn't know them until three years ago. So let me give you a few questions that I asked myself. One is. Okay. If you had all the money in the world, how would you spend your time? So if I made you a billionaire right now, Dr. K, billion dollars, what would you do the rest of your life? And a lot of people don't have a good answer to that. They go, oh, yeah, when I retire, it's like the retirement is controlled by the government, not you. What if they move retirement to 85? What are you going to do? Right? <laughs> it's like, so what are you going to do now? So that's one. People don't have a yeah. good answer to this question. That worries me, Dr. K. People just say, like, yeah. travel. The second question is, if you could only accomplish three things in your life, what would you want those three things to be? And a lot of people don't know that either. And then the third question is, and I got this from Devon Bandison, what's a goal or a dream that you secretly gave up on and never told anyone about? And if you start answering these questions, you get to the truth really fast, which is I'll make the money yeah. at IBM, but I won't leave a legacy. And I realized master talk was the legacy I needed to leave. And time was more valuable than money because any billionaire or any millionaire cannot buy back their 20s under any circumstance. So I quit because I knew I could always go back and I went for it. Come on. Congratulations. I, I love the, um, the the lack of fear. The other thing, too, is you're. So I always look at entrepreneurship, right? Everybody has this fear of leaving corporate America or pursuing their dreams. And I look at that as being afraid not to, right? So the, the upside outweighs, you know, the security or the um, perception of security, right? Staying at this career. But what people don't realize is your accounting degree didn't go anywhere and your experience at IBM didn't go anywhere. So master talk is a, a huge success, but if it wasn't, you just go back. You just go back to still making a, a great income and having a great career. There's so many things I want to touch on there in your comments, kid, Dr. Kid, because you're nailing so many things here. So the first piece is one thing I want to add is I was actually deathly afraid to quit my job. Deathly. I know it sounds different because I have a conviction in my voice now and I'm a speaking coach. I guess I should have conviction in the way I convey ideas. But the opposite is actually true, where I cried on the day I quit my job. And I'll tell you why. The reason is because that was the first time in my life, Dr. K, where we had security. Look, if you told me at mm -hmm. 19 that not only was I going to get a job at PricewaterhouseCoopers, one of the top four accounting firms, and then go to IBM and then quit those jobs to do something on my own, I would have thought you had a mental illness. I'd have been like, there's something wrong yeah. with this person. Like, and that all that happened. The second thing is in my culture anyways, it's different for some, but in mine, you know, it's, it's really important to take care of your siblings. So I was actually the only breadwinner with our IBM salary because you're right. I was making good money. So my mom was retired at this point because we're all living together. My sister, I was bankrolling her education, which isn't that expensive like it is in the US. So it wasn't so bad, but still, you know, 10, 15 grand a year. And uh, actually, no, not 10, 15, that's wrong. Like five, 10 a year. It's actually really cheap in Quebec. But so it wasn't so bad. But giving that salary up meant I went back into risking the security I'd spent 10 years trying to build. So the challenge for me was giving up the identity of, I, of Brendan, the high rising star at IBM was going to be an executive at this company by 30, guaranteed, like pretty much. I was, I was doing really well there versus the guy who's crazy to start like this YouTube channel and to do the speaking and all that stuff. But the other point that you mentioned is why I was comfortable taking the risk. Cause I definitely wasn't fearless. I mean, now I sound fearless cause it's cause I've done it and I'm successful, but, yeah. but, and I still, I'm not, I, I don't consider myself successful, but enough where I don't have to go back to corporate. That's for sure. But I think okay. the key now is, why Why did I play this so calculated? Because I believe besides Jeff Bezos, I'm probably the most risk-averse entrepreneur in the world. 
doesn't make me the most successful, but I'm definitely the most risk averse. What does that mean? I call this advice side hustling comfortably. So a lot of people, they create this image of side hustling, which is you're on your friend's couch with five other people. You're eating beans every day. That was never the intention because I knew entrepreneurship had a high risk of failure. So I actually set myself up to have a six-figure corporate job regardless of what would happen. That's the first thing. So for example, if you're listening to this, it might not be technology consultant. Maybe it's, I'm really good with my hands. I should be a plumber. And then when you're making six figures, because it pays a lot to be a plumber, when you're making really good mm -hmm. money as a plumber, then you do the side hustle. Number two is I had a massive emergency fund when I quit IBM, like a massive one. Like we're talking $30,000, $50,000. But that's not because Brendan is a trust fund. That's not because Brendan is rich. It's because Brendan made the smart decision to stay at his mother's house and not buy a Beamer with his 100K salary. Okay, He spent – he kept all the money so that if one day I quit – I could use it. And the third piece is I was already making money, Dr. K. I didn't just jump ship randomly with zero dollars in my pocket. I just said, no, no, no. I was making 20, 30K my business. And I was like, okay, if I, if I sign another 10 clients, I'll be okay. I'll make 60K and I can make this work. And that's all the, everything I did. And I gave IBM a six-week notice and I built really good relationship with their exec team. So if I screwed up, I could always go back. Man, there's there's so much to unpack there. Like, so, you know, again, going back to social media, the, the narrative is, you know, quit your job. You've got to be this entrepreneur. And to me, it's a false narrative, right? You can do a couple of different things, right? You can you can work a job if if you love what you do and you make good money and have this, um, you know, side hustle or additional business or whatever simultaneously, or you can do like you did and make a smart transition because if not, your, your business is going to be fueling your lifestyle and you're going to collapse. So you've got to wait until you're making or generating enough money in the business to make a smooth transition. Correct. And even with all of that planning, Dr. K, I still ran out of money. But the only reason I didn't, I ran out of money in the business, but I didn't run out of money in my emergency fund. Because I had that six to nine months because I couldn't figure out customer acquisition. Yeah. A lot of the clients I okay. was getting earlier anyways, I fixed it, but enough to – now I have to fix it even more to do really well financially. But I've done it. Now it's fixed in a way that I, I can survive. But last year, it was really tough. Like this was not like 10 years ago, like literally 18 months ago when I quit – I was like, okay, how do I make this work? And I couldn't figure out how to get more clients. I knew how to deliver. I knew how to get word of mouth. I knew how to send them because I was a great coach, but I couldn't get more leads. And then I went through a bunch of different ideas. I ran out of money, and then I figured something out on LinkedIn, and I made it work. And then I was able to create a free training, and then the leads started coming in like clockwork. And then I, I, I closed all the deals, and I was able to, to secure the, the, the paycheck to, to keep going. And now, now we're sustainable. Now we have a clear lead funnel. But I think the key is if I didn't have that emergency fund, I would have had to take out a loan or go back to corporate. But even with all of that planning, I think the conclusion is as I still almost lost even with all of that planning and that pre-pep. Imagine the people who don't even do that. Of course you're going to lose. Like The chances of you losing are so much higher. So yeah, don't risk. Yeah. Um, I, I caught something you're saying, you're talking about LinkedIn and it made me think, are your customers, are, are you doing your coaching for, uh, you know, public speaking and, and this for consumers? Is it like a B2C or more of a B2B model? Right. Because I know a lot of corporations do, you know, hire and take on public speakers to come, you know, speak to the corporation. You're correct, Dr. K. So a couple of thoughts here. Let's start with principles in business that I'm more than happy to talk about the nuts and bolts of how we've been able to build this up. So the principle is business is really simple, which is do you have something people want and are you so good that people need you over something else? It's very simple. It's just the reason people lose in business is they just don't solve the problem. Like they're just – because like Tony Robbins says it so well. If you're good, you're gone. If you're great, you're surviving, and if you're outstanding – this is in business, not in, not employee land, but in business. If you're outstanding, you'll thrive. That's how this game works. So I had to look at a few things. One is what am I absolutely deadly at? So when I looked at all of my skill set and why I knew I could win an entrepreneurship, it wasn't really about speaking. Speaking is a great business. Yeah, you know, there's parades all the time. Yeah, this speaker gets paid $10,000 for speech. 
all that's a crap. Like it's BS. Not the fees aren't BS, but the number of people who win in that industry is BS. Because the perception is that everyone's like you see public speaker online all the time on LinkedIn. This person's a public speaker. This person, that person's mostly speaking for free, and they're untalented, Doctor. Okay, this is just me being honest here. Since you wanted a real conversation, okay. let's have it. Okay. Yeah. So even for me, yeah, sure. Do I get do I get paid thousands of dollars to speak? Yes. This is not this is not false, but I do not make my money that way. And I'll tell you why. Because that income, because I tried that first, is. And I and I will ultimately make a lot of my money through that in 10 years because of my personal brand. Because because I sell seats, right? So let's say we take Gary V, right? Why does he get paid? And I love the guy, so this is not a dig by any means. Why does he get paid $150,000 to speak? It's not necessarily because Gary V is the best speaker on planet Earth. It's because the guy sells butts in seats. Like right, right? Because if, if I'm an yeah, event planner, gotcha. I'll invest in Gary V 150k because I'll make 300, 400k. People will come just to see Gary V, right? Mm. So he can command those. He's fees. the draw. Yeah, he's the draw. Whereas most speakers, they can only at Parker. Our purpose is simple: we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply command you know three thousand five thousand which is still very good buddy thousand ten thousand if you have an established brand but when you're in a recession they cut all those budgets so you can still win as a speaker but only the top percentile anyways bottom line coaching is actually how i exited my corporate job because coaching is i'm providing transformation for one specific person who wants to pay me thousands of dollars because for them if they're a vice president at a company and they become an SVP, paying a few thousand for me is a joke. It's like pocket change. But there's a caveat. I need to be really good at what I do, which thankfully worked out. But now, which comes to business, back for the audience. So now let's say you have something you want. Now the next piece, something you're good at, is to figure out who to sell to. So if you sell to the wrong person, you're giving something that people don't want. So let's say I tried to sell, I don't know, some, some public school teacher. A $5,000 package. Does she need communication? Yeah. Will it benefit her life? Absolutely. Is she willing to spend three to $5,000 in a package? Absolutely not. Because she's making 50 grand a year with her benefits. Her next promotion is maybe an extra $2,000 in her pocket. She's severely underpaid. It doesn't make sense for her to spend that kind of money. So the last piece to that was for me to figure out who's my ideal client. Who would like who are the hundred people who would be like, oh my God, thank God you're here. My friend told me about you and you made her so much you made you created so much value for her life. Three thousand dollars is steal. So now you gotta find those people. And for us, LinkedIn became a great source for that because all of the top executives are there. So we take that platform very seriously as a lead gen source. So if, if somebody's looking to do what you do, they want to become Brendan, right? You're going to coach them on public speaking, but is there any, any any coaching that you do or mentorship that you provide so that they can understand the business aspect of this and how to get those clients, who to look for, and, and how to 
you know, create revenue from it. Absolutely, Dr. K. So the answer is, I'm happy to provide the advice now for free, absolutely. But I'll never sell a package on that. I'll tell you why. Because in business, mm-hmm. you should never do something that you're not world-class at. So can I be a great business coach and teach other communication coaches how to scale a business? Absolutely. But I know I know internally, this is why self-awareness is so important and why, by the way, most people should not be entrepreneurs. I'll tell you why. The reason is because entrepreneurship forces you into changing your mind a lot and changing your belief system about what is true and what is not. But human beings by definition are not very adaptable even if we are from a species societal perspective from like changing our mind about politics changing our mind about you know where should we spend our money those belief systems are really hard for human beings to adapt but in entrepreneurship in employee land you can get away from it oh okay if you believe x thing about the world doesn't matter but entrepreneurship the market is the market like if you do not adapt you just die Think of social media. So many businesses 10 years ago thought it was a crock and they all died or they all didn't Mm -hmm. succeed. So going back to this, yeah, I would never coach that. My business partner does that. So I just refer the business to him. I just do communication technique because I know the best in the world at that or will be eventually. But now the question becomes, what's my advice? I would say my advice though for anyone who wants to start a coaching business to keep it really simple, Dr. K, Mm -hmm. is see if you like it. Coaching is a vi- like it sounds really nice and it is a very lucrative business. I'm not going to lie. I'm not at that stage yet where I'm minting millions of gajillions of dollars, but it it the path is very clear. You know, if you coach 300 people and you make 3000 from each client like you're doing pretty well. You there's you're doing well because you don't have employees in the business or maybe one or two. But coaching is not for most people because you have to really love people. I literally have back-to-back calls, Dr. K, from now until like six. Call, 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 call. And I'll still show up with the same energy. You know why? Because I really love this. Like talking to Mm. you, having this conversation. This is not like some face, right? Maybe you could fake it for a little bit, but I like your hat. I like the conversation. Like it's fun. Like you can see it in my face. I'm enjoying it. But not a lot of people would. Like for me, and that's why I think I learned that lesson. I thought I was never going to be an entrepreneur my whole life. But I learned later that I actually became one of the most dangerous entrepreneurs in my field in the in the coaching because I did it for free for three years without knowing you could get paid. Like from 19 to 22, I would stay up until 2 a.m. coaching all my students, not paid students, just students that I wanted to win at case because I really wanted them to get the job that I got. Like, I just really yeah. care. Like, I really give a shit. Same thing when I started, like, Master Talk. There wasn't, like, a business. I was just like, this is so unfair. Like, you know, DK, Dr. K's family, you know, you maybe your previous generation, they didn't have money for a communication coach. Like, it just burned my – it just, like, drove me crazy. Like, all these people yeah. minting money, not sharing. So I had a mission. And it's really hard. That Alex Hormozzi says it's best not throw it back to you, Dr. K. It's really hard to beat an entrepreneur who has nothing to lose. So for me, it was just like, no, no, no. I'm willing to coach for free. So I just coached hundreds of people for free. And that's when I was able to become a coach. Whereas most people, if you coach a few people for free, you'll realize you don't really like it too much because you become people's therapists. Man, yes. It's, it's the same excitement I get. So I'm, I guess I'm somewhat of a public speaker, right? I have a, I have a show, a podcast, and it's truly what I love to do. So I would do this. Um, you know, as much as possible and have as many guests as possible, you know? So I, I like the conversation as well. And I get so much, I mean, we, we've been, we've been having a conversation for a little over 30 minutes and I feel like I've known you forever and we're good friends. Same. I mean, it, it's just, it, it connects, you know, so well. Um, so I got a, I got a word that's been spinning around my mind, right? You, you described your level of talent in what you do, your, your skill set as deadly. Why did you pick that word? Ooh, I love that. Just, you're very, very observant. So that's just the word that I use in business. You know, I, I've always considered myself uh, the gentle assassin. That's kind of the term I give myself in my mind. And what it really comes down to is self-awareness. Right? Self-awareness, you know, Gary Vee talks about it, but let me add more granular details here, is what does self-awareness actually mean, Dr. K? I think for me, what it means is a few things. One is an understanding of your weaknesses. 
what are you really, really bad at? Because if you don't know what you're really, really bad, you don't have a clear list, you're probably not self-aware. You're kind of lost in the clouds. So let's say for me, I know very well that I'm very, very strong at coaching. Like if it's communication coaching, like that specific thing, very, very good at it. Guessing on podcasts, definitely. I know how to get to the point. I ramble, but I don't ramble enough where people don't find interest. So I'm not just rambling about random things. Like I talk a lot. I, I take too much time when I give answers, to be honest, which is feedback for me. But when I share the thought, you're like, oh, this is really good. So you're like taking notes. But I'm not really good at producing videos. I'm really terrible at it. I'm not really good at design. I'm, I'm really bad at that. I'm not a great business coach. So there's a couple of things, right? There's a lot of things that I'm not good at. I'm not really good at romance, right? Dating, I suck at that, right? So just knowing that. But having that awareness and that willingness for me to say it publicly is actually what makes me deadly. So then it goes into that word. I just use that word because it emotionally drives me, right? So when you know what you're really good at, then you get, you get to that point. But now the natural follow-up question becomes, well, somebody listening to this doctor, okay, they might be thinking, well, how do I know what I'm good at? So there's a couple of points here. One is you need to be willing to try a couple of different things. So you can expand your knowledge of the world. So when I was 15, you couldn't tell me to become a communication mm. coach because I didn't know what that was. I didn't know you get paid to do that. Now I know. Yeah. So knowledge is key and I'm always learning. So you're always expanding the realm of knowledge because most knowledge you don't know. You don't know what you don't know essentially. But then the last piece that a lot of people also don't talk about because they always say comparison is the thief of joy. I actually think that's wrong. I think most people – Use comparison in the wrong way. That's why they're miserable. So let me give you an example. If I use a screwdriver to try and, I don't know, do something stupid with it, like uh, fix a pipe that doesn't have the right nail, like, of course, it's not going to work. So it's the same thing. Or trying to use a wrench to fix a patio. Like, what? Like, that doesn't even make sense. So it's the same thing with comparison. A lot of us were comparing the wrong things, which is we look at, I don't know, Kim Kardashian's palace or whatever's happening in Dubai with all the royal families. We go, oh my God. Like, <laughs> so, so that's comparison in the wrong way. Or some, what somebody's dating. Yeah. Oh my God, he's with this person, so-and-so. I, I obviously do this at a subconscious level. We all do. But the real game, the healthy game, is to look at our skill set in a genuine way. And you don't even have to compare yourself to Kobe Bryant. Just compare yourself to everyone else in your classroom, everyone else at work. What am I really good at compared to those people? Because that gives me a clear idea. Let me give you an example with me. I knew I was going to be a coach. Like I knew that was going to be my side hustle, regardless if it was career coaching, communication coaching, business coaching, health coaching. I just love helping people and transforming them. But I also knew at a practical level that I was better than 99% of people because I was one of the few people in that program who was actually coaching as intensely as me. Like nobody was up until 2 a.m. coaching people for free. Right. And also yeah. getting them results. So it was obvious to me there. But now the last piece to this, Dr. K, it's how did I make the, the rational decision to be a communication coach specifically? Because I, I literally had to sit down with myself, with my friends, and I said, okay, can I be a good career coach? Yeah. I'd probably give myself top 10% in the world because just giving them a listening year of space will help them. Yeah. Can I be best in the world? Maybe not. Because I haven't held an SVP job. I can't coach an SVP to get an SVP role. It doesn't make sense. So I can't be the best in the world. Like, but one of my clients, Lauren, she's top of the cream. Killer. Like, I cannot beat her in career coaching. I know that. And that's me admitting that. Yeah. Then let's go to life coaching. Can I be a great life coach? Yeah. 80, 20 questions. I got some clarity there. I'm sharing some knowledge that people probably don't know. Maybe a top 3% life coach. Pretty good. But I ain't beating Tony Robbins, Dr. K. Let's be honest. The, the kid was made for this. He is literally yeah. 16 years old, Jim Rohn. That's his whole life. Dave, with Destiny changed my life. I can never be Tony Robbins. Communication coach? I, I think I'm better than Tony. Like, there's no doubt. I'm better than most people. But that's not me gloating. That's me coming to an understanding of saying, Brenda, you're garbage at 99% of things. But that one thing 
no one's going to beat you. So put all your focus there because the results show. So what's the punchline? The punchline is comparison is a tool. You just got to use it well. Man, I love that. Um, yeah, because I, I hear far too often, like, uh, you know, don't compare. But like you said, and from a subconscious level, you can't help but to compare. If you're trying to grow um, social media, if you're trying to get somewhere in your job, you're comparing yourself to that. If you want to be an SVP, right, you're, you're, you're starting as a director or something, you want to compare yourself to that other person and say, am I as good as them or better? You know, and it's, it's hard not to. So it's good that you you flip it in that way to say, hey, how, how can I do it in a healthy way? For sure. And and I love the last piece, doing it in a healthy way. Because it's not about us forcing ourselves to do something we don't want to do. Let's take let's use two examples. Actually, I'll give you three. Let's do the SVP one. Okay, if you have a family and that's your priority, like Mazel, Mazel Tov, that's great. That's great that you're spending time with your family. But if you want to be an SVP and that SVP is working 70 hours a week and you're working 40 and you don't want to work more than 40, which is totally fine and within your right, you'll never become an SVP. Live with it. Like that's just life. That's reality. But that's a different story between the guy who says, I'm a manager right now. I'm working as hard as that guy and I'm learning from him and I want to be him and I'm working the same amount of hours and I'm I'm consuming more books, more knowledge than that person and I'm doing better numbers. That person will definitely be an SVP, right? Same thing with Kobe, right? Let's say Kobe Bryant. That guy wants to be the best basketball player of all time since he was like 11 years old. He's like spent three to four hours a day practicing waking up at 4 a.m., like he's just practicing. It's like, okay, look, Brendan's a great guy. I'm a talented guy. No doubt. You're a talented person. Everyone listening is a talented. I ain't becoming Kobe Bryant because I'm not willing to do what he's willing to do. YouTube is the same thing. I studied a bunch of YouTubers. I didn't just say, hey, I'm going to be a YouTuber. This is going to be fun. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, part of that was that, was my naivete. But there's a couple of things that were very rational. Because it took a long time for me to get to 30K, right? Three, four to five years, right? Now I'm entering my fourth year. So I started at 22. So what's a couple of things, Dr. K? One, I looked at the other YouTubers who had a few hundred thousand. So Toastmasters International had like 300,000 subscribers. Alex Lyon, who's now a good friend of mine, has like 400,000. But at the time when I started, he had probably 10,000. You know, Carl Kwan had like 100,000. So I'd watch all of their YouTube videos. And it's not that they were bad. That's probably me, my competitive spirit coming up, but they're all great people, fantastic human beings. But I would look at their videos and go, they're missing this, 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 because I was coaching the the students and I was like, well, I taught them this and this is not in anybody's videos. So one, there's a clear gap in the market. That's one. Second was my age, which actually became a gift. Anyone who's my age is not going to relate to the 50-year-old Alex Lyon or Carl, all great human beings, all amazing. But if you're seven years old, you're 15 years old, you're only relating to me. And then the third piece to that was I was the only person who was 22 that I knew of who had three to four years of communication coaching experience with CEOs. So I had the expertise to bring to the market. And then I'll add a couple of other points, which is when I looked at Evan Carmichael, Charisma Command. So now you're seeing a lot of the back end that you don't really see on my YouTube channel, right? And I'm studying these guys and I'm like, okay, all of these guys played 10 years and they all posted one really good piece of content every week. So my mindset was if I post once a week, that's really good. And I invest just the minimum amount of money, which is 10, 15 grand, 200 bucks, 300 bucks a video. Mm -hmm. And I put that and I do that for 10 years. The, the probability of me winning is never going to be 100%, but it's pretty, pretty high because if I do this from 22 to 32, I'll have 12 years of experience and I'll be the youngest speech coach in, er, on earth. So I was like, there's no way I'm going to lose. Right. So, dude, it was painful, man. Like two and a half years it took to get to 10,000. But every day I kept reminding myself, I was like, like, Alex is double my age. Like I, I, could, yeah. I could do this for 10 years and still be 20 years younger than him. So I knew I, I could win, and my thesis ended up being true. But look at all the back end. I wasn't luck. <laughs> my thesis ended up being true. Absolutely. Yeah, there's no luck, bro. Like, in- incredible. Yeah, it was very it was very strategic. You were very committed and, and, and also very consistent. Like, people would have given up long before two years in. Yeah, bro. And a couple of thoughts, man. You're, you're really giving me a lot of great space to talk. I really appreciate it. This is an excellent episode. You're, I'm really sharing a lot of granular things that I'm not sharing with people in general because you're asking the right question. 
There's two other things that really explain my insanity in business that people don't know. One is I was willing, and I didn't do this, but I was willing to go on 10,000 podcasts to make Master Talk work. 10,000. Right? And I'll tell you why. Because even if the algorithm didn't help me, that's how badly I wanted to win Dr. Kim. When I found out that I could even be a guest on the pod, like, people want to have me on their shows? Like, what? Like a kid. Well, back then, anyways. And the reason was because I said, you know what? Even if Dr. K is the only person listening, it's not the case, but let's say it is. Let's say you're the only person listening to me. At the very least, you would build a friendship with me and you would share my YouTube videos with three of your friends. At the very minimum. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. That's the thing. Yeah. But let's assume I was a zero. Let's assume <laughs> – forget about the 30K. Let's say mm-hmm. I was getting started and I was on the show. My mindset yeah. would be like, at least Dr. Kill may be my buddy. I'm pouring my heart into his audience, even if he has an audience of one person. Let's say it's just him. And I said, you know what? One hour a day, if I do 60 – this is literally how I think. If I did 16 interviews a day for a year, that's 5,000 interviews. If I do that for two years, 10,000, I'll have 10,000 subscribers on my YouTube channel. And I'll win, right? Yeah, it's 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 about being across the internet, right, and having more more space, more coverage than anybody else. Also, right, if if you can be found on, because I, I don't know how how well you follow the show, but I I have uh, every single podcast platform: Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, and so you're going to be on all of those platforms plus cut up, and that's only my show. So like you said, from your math, you do this over and over. You just win. <laughs> it's going to be incredible. Right? Yeah. And I think – But people don't, people don't think about it that, that granularly or they don't do the math behind it, right? And I'll tell you why. Because the biggest piece of advice I ever got in my life and the most important one that people do not implement is they do not listen – to the most important person in their life, which is the person of who they are, the more successful version of themselves 10 years from where they are today. Matthew McConaughey touches on this a little bit when he wins his Oscars. He always goes, I'm chasing that my hero who was the 10-year-old version of me. But what does that mean practically for our audience today, Dr. K? What that means is when I was 22 years old, I would talk to 32-year-old Brendan. He doesn't exist. But I would go like I would have conversations in my mind with 30 and today's 36 year old Brendan. And the question that we always need to ask ourselves, Dr. K, is if that person, the person who's successful, the person who's got the six pack, the person who's got the amazing wife, husband, like lives, lives the high life, who has done everything consistently well. If they had a chance to look at how we live life today, what would they disagree with us on? This is the question we never – I got this from Jason Skisik, so I won't take credit for that. But it's a brilliant question. And the reason yeah. it's so brilliant is because I wanted to give up so many times. Like I had to get – back then, like you know, 10 to 15 grand to spend on my YouTube channel every single year was a lot of money, dude. Like I was making – like six figures. It wasn't high six figures. It was low six figures. So that's like 20 to 25% of my take home. Because they in Montreal they tax you a lot, so that was a lot of my money. This is not like a like cheap change. So I wanted to give up a lot, but thirty two year old Brendan kept saying, "Bro, you're like the only person who has coached a hundred to hundred fifty people. You're the only person who gives a shit about helping people who can't afford you. Like genuinely, that's why you're on this podcast. I don't care if I get a client. It's like I'm really pouring into your audience like crazy. There's no way you'll lose. It's impossible. You just have yeah. to keep going for ten years." And it ended up being the case. I ended up getting there in three to four years. But that's the key, right? It's key. You need to listen to that 10-year-old version. But most people don't do that. And that's why they just succumb to, to life. Man, when you say, Brendan, that you have poured into the audience, you have definitely poured into the audience and into me. Like I've just learned so much during our conversation. I appreciate it. But I do want to be respectful of your time. I know you have a hard stop. But uh, so before we cut it, I have to um, do something that I like to do on every episode. So the show is called Success Leaves Clues Podcast. So I like to point out a couple of clues that I noticed during our conversation. And I'm quite sure the audience is going to pick up uh, on their own. So one thing that I noticed and um, it it really stuck with me is your self-awareness and how you analyze yourself. And I think that helps you so much um, you know, in pursuing and being successful, it doesn't matter if it's in business, in a relationship, 
in, in your faith, whatever it is, if you don't stop to analyze what you're doing and where you're at, you can't tweak, you can't improve. And a lot of people skip that step. Um, another thing is you talk about fear and how you overcome fear. So a lot of people get stuck in fear and they may be watching this show and they're saying, Hey, look, I want to leave my job. I want to pursue this dream, uh, acting, singing, entrepreneurship, whatever it is going for that corporate position. And they're stuck because they're too afraid. And you point out the fact that you do it afraid. You were still afraid, deathly afraid. You cried. For sure, literally. <laughs> and, and, and sometimes it takes that, you know, it takes, um, you know, still doing it uh, and, and not letting that fear consume you. And the, the last thing I'd probably want to point out is um, your willingness to be uncomfortable. And so success, growth, learning, stretching yourself, all of that is very uncomfortable. And you're willing to be uncomfortable in, in so many different areas, in, including sacrificing, you know, and staying with family and things of that nature so that you can save and have the nest egg to propel your dream. People aren't willing to do that. They aren't, man. Like a good way of summarizing, excellent summary, is people don't make their purpose their priority. A lot of people make their iPhone their priority. That's why Elon Musk's quote is so game changer. Elon says that people are really quick to find a charger for their phone when the battery starts to die, but they're not as quick to find a plan for their life before their dream dies. And I think that's really sad. Yes. I really think that's sad. It is. Thanks so much. I want to remind everybody out there, if you can dream it, you can achieve it. Until next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Success Leaves Clues podcast. Be sure to follow Dr. K on Instagram at Dr. K Washington or the podcast page at Success Leaves Clues podcast. We'll see you here next time. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.